Perhaps one of the most repeated statements from young and old, from men and women, from the learned and the illiterate, from the wealthy and the poor, from anyone and everyone almost, one of the most commonly repeated statements is that I have a problem. Sometimes it is I just have a problem. Sometimes people would say I have a very big problem. And sometimes they would say that now I am totally without any hope. Or a person would say I am feeling very depressed. So all these kind of statements will come. The primary statement is that I have a problem. And sometimes these problems lead to people losing hope, to people becoming despondent, people becoming depressed, and all other kinds of emotional and mental illnesses. The issue is that when a person is faced with difficulties, with problems, with hardships, and a person is losing hope, a person is getting despondent, what is the rope of hope that a person can now cling on to? To get out of this problem, to overcome the difficulty, and to be able to maintain one's composure and control in the midst of challenges that would come in any case. Because after all, we are all living in dunya. And dunya is a place where Allah wa ta'ala has already very openly and clearly declared the Quran Sharif Allah says that Allah wa ta'ala will test us. Allah says, We will certainly test you. So already we know that this world is a place of test. And when there is a test on, then a person cannot and does not complain about certain challenges that are there in the test. That why is this question a bit challenging? Why weren't all the questions like 1 plus 1 is equal to 2? Why is this complicated question now in this test? You understand? It's a test. In the test you get some easy questions, you get some moderate questions, you get some very, very difficult questions sometimes. There are all kinds of tests, all kinds of questions. So Allah Ta'ala is saying already to us up front that this dunya is a test. Allah Ta'ala is saying, nakum. We will certainly test you with emphasis. Bishayim min al we will certainly test you with some loss, with some fear, with some hunger, and with some loss in your income. All the various forms of income. We will test you in your income. Allah Ta'ala then says, it gives glad tidings to those who observe patience, who maintain sabr. Because those who maintain sabr, they have a very high rank with Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. Alladheena idha asabatum musiba, qadu inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. That they are those who when any difficulty and calamity befalls them, then they turn to Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. This is the solution that has been given to us, this is the rope of hope. This program has been titled the rope of hope. The rope of hope is turning to Allah. Allah 
قالوا انا لله وانا اليه راجعون they turn to allah taala and they totally submit themselves it's not just something by lip service but with their tongues with their hearts they say ya allah we belong to you alone and to you we are going to return ulaika alayhim salawatun mir rabbihim wa rahmah fa ulaika humul muhtadun and when they totally and completely submit themselves to allah tabaarak wa taala with heart and soul in every way verbally and by way of their hearts they totally turn to allah taala in their actions in their deeds in their words allah taala says ulaika alayhim salawatun mir rabbihim wa rahmah they are the ones who will get the special mercies of allah taala and they will get the grace of allah tabaarak wa taala they are the ones who are the rightly guided ones in any case this is a very very often spoken statement we would have spoken about it so many times that i have a problem but the issue is that we need to consider first that are we the only people that ever experience problems if not then others also experience problems we need to look at that when others experience problems what did they do how did they respond to the problems the one aspect by reflecting upon the problems that others have experienced the one benefit of this would be that we would be able to feel consoled to some point that i'm not the only one al musibatu ila ammad khaffat when a difficulty becomes widespread to some extent it is felt a little less if one person is alone in some difficulty he feels the whole world is on him but not that it is wished for others to be in problems but this perchance there are 15 20 people 100 people involved in the same difficulty so now this person he is still feeling his difficulty but he feels he is not alone so here the requirement is that we look back did others not have problems for example did hazrat bilad radiyallahu ta'ala not have a problem that he is being made to lie in the burning sands of makkah mukarramah today is a very hot day if somebody goes and stands just a few minutes out there on the road where the tar is hot today is a hot day but it's not so hot also if and it happens sometimes people especially in makkah mukarramah etc people go for hajj for umrah sometimes in middle of summer and the temperature is 40 degrees 45 degrees and the road becomes extremely hot sometimes a person has lost his shoes or sandals and some moment his feet just touch that cement or this tar or whatever and it's unbearable just for that one brief moment and hazrat bilal radiyallahu ta'ala who is being made to lie on this hot sand for hours on end can be imagined and not just that so that night he is being whipped mercilessly and huge boulders heavy boulders are being placed on his chest he is being dragged through the sands of makkah mukarramah okay just, just imagine this whole scene for a moment let us not just listen to it or speak about it as just some story let us try to visualize this let us try to think about ourselves allah taala save us that if it was us in that condition what would be the case you cannot imagine ourselves in that condition but just visualize this that this helpless soul outwardly helpless soul is being dragged through the roads to the sands of makkah mukarramah burning hot sands then people are taking turns to whip him because one person gets tired then the next person is taking the turn on to whip him mercilessly whip him what goes on somebody just gives us one shot with a stick it is unbearable can you imagine a whip and people taking turns they would be taking every bit of this putting every bit of their strength into it did he not have a problem but what is coming on his tongue he is connecting himself to allah tbaraka wa taala ahad ahad and in connecting himself to allah taala despite the physical challenge despite the difficulty despite the problem because he is connected to allah taala at no point did he tell anybody that i am now losing hope i am becoming despondent i have no way out of this and therefore nauzubillah i want to end my life 
or I want to do some other silly things. Never. Unheard of. Forget unheard of. Not even something that crossed their minds. But what was the difference? The issue was that in the middle of all these challenges, he was connecting to Allah Taala and exclaiming that Ahad. Because he understood full well that this dunya is a place to make the akhirat. Dunya will end someday. Somebody after one year, somebody after ten years, somebody after twenty, somebody after fifty, maybe some handful of people after seventy, eighty, hundred years. And somebody after one day, somebody after one hour, and even while we are talking, people are, are leaving the world. Some people, as we are sitting and talking now, and listening, some people have just taken their last breath. Many people, every second so many people pass away. So, life is going to come to an end. Allah knows best how much of our life is left. But while we have this life, this life is to make the everlasting life of the hereafter. So this life is a test. Allah that has already told us up front. We will certainly test you. Certainly with emphasis. A student of Arabic will understand that on the one side is the lam. The lam is for ta'kid. It is to show emphasis. So the lam ta'kid and in the end that noon mushaddad, noon saqila. This is again used for emphasis. So on this one word from both ends at the beginning of the word, at the end of the word, Allah Ta'ala surrounded it with emphasis. So emphasis upon emphasis, like a person saying, I will definitely and most certainly do this. Now when a human being says it, after repeating it 20 times, I will definitely and most certainly do it, after one minute sometimes he feels that I don't want to do it too. Allah Ta'ala out of, Allah Ta'ala who is astakul qa'ileen, Allah Ta'ala is saying, we will certainly test you. We should ask for afiyat. But some tests will come. We should ask for afiyat from every test. But there are challenges nevertheless. So when the world is a place of challenge, it is a place of test, Allah Ta'ala has declared it openly. Now, challenges will come, difficulties will come, we will talk about it, I have a problem. We can call it problem, call it a challenge, call it a difficulty. The issue is that a mu'min, a mu'min, there is never a moment of despondency. A mu'min, there is never a moment of hopelessness. Never. This cannot come in the way of a mu'min. But to be able to save oneself from any level of despondency, from any level of hopelessness, from any level of feeling dejected, feeling depressed, one is medically something happens, that's a different issue, but purely because of a problem. The other aspect is we, we often this terminology has become very confusing sometimes. Sometimes it is just the terminologies we use, whereas it's not really a depression. A person is just feeling low of it, just feeling grieved, which is human nature. A person feels a little grieved, feels a little low sometimes. Every day, every moment, a person is not on a high all the time. There's sometimes a so-called high. Sometimes a person is feeling very bubbly, feeling very, very cheerful, very enthusiastic. And sometimes a person is feeling a little down feeling a little tired, feeling listless, it happens. But where a person starts becoming despondent, that kind of what, what we term generally, for every small thing we term, term as depression, these terminologies need to be used correctly. I remember some years back, one child from the madrasa, he was from Johannesburg somewhere, and some ustad perhaps reprimanded him or gave him some small punishment, so he ran away to one of the homes here in East Pingo Beach, some relative or family friend. So in any case, that person whose house he ran away to, that person came, this must have happened some 8-10 years ago, maybe more so. That person came in a very, very uh, angry state, in a huff and a puff. So he came late at night, nobody was there to really attend to him. So the next day, when this whole thing came to light, that he came and he was very, very angry and upset. Because the child went and the child made his own story. Obviously the child now, number one, he had done some wrong. Then when he was reprimanded, he did a second wrong, now he ran away. So now he needed to cover up for himself. So he painted a different picture. Now this person didn't verify anything first. This is our very big mistake that we often make. And we just listen to something without realizing what the reality is, without verifying. We just start jumping to conclusions. 
So in any case, this person came in a half and half, but then nobody could attend to him that time. He was waiting the night, half past nine, ten o'clock. So the next day, when this whole thing came to light, so together with somebody else, we went to his house. So we met him. So he said, yes, this child abuse has to stop. So now he carried on going on and on about child abuse. So then after he cooled down a little bit, and I asked him, but uh, see the thing that we need to just define is, what is child abuse? Child abuse is a terrible thing, and nobody must ever be involved in any child abuse, but the issue is the definition. What is the definition of child abuse? Now this child also had a problem. We are talking about problems, but this child had a problem. And he had lost hope. He became despondent, as you may call it. So he ran away. He was trying to run away from his problem. But now in any case, in between this, just as a diversion, this point is coming to light, which is important. So I asked him that we need to define child abuse. What is child abuse? Because sometimes, if some child is reprimanded, scolded, is this perhaps spoken to a little bit forcefully, then for some people that is also child abuse. So he started thinking for a while, in any case he didn't answer anything. So he didn't answer anything and we carried on talking. The conversation took some other turn. Then suddenly he started talking about his own uh, history, that he went to certain madrasa and you know, the certain ustad, that ustad used to really give it to them, saying, but you know, that really did us good. And the problem with today's children is that they don't want to catch hiding. Until you don't give it to them, they won't learn. So now, just now, there was child abuse. And now he's saying, until you don't give it to them, they won't learn. So when I asked him also the definition of child abuse, sometimes the child is spoken to harshly, little bit, forcefully, little bit, then is that child abuse? He didn't want to answer. But now he gave his answer away himself. He said, until you don't give it to them, they won't learn. Now this is the problem with definitions. That we don't know the definition, or we make up our own meaning for something, and then we just use it anywhere and everywhere. In any case, that was a little bit of a diversion that we went into. The thing we were talking about is that problems of and challenges existed from ever since. Ever since that they have been in Sam on earth, there have been problems that they faced, some challenges they faced. Hazrat Bilal Adilam faced challenges, we just heard about that. Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir Adilam, what challenges he faced? His mother, Hazrat Sumayya, the first martyr of Islam. Did she not have a problem? Did she not have challenges? But did they become despondent? Did they lose hope? No, they were holding fast onto the rope of hope. And the rope of hope is turning to Allah Ta'ala, connecting with Allah Ta'ala. This is the rope, the connection with Allah Ta'ala. When a person is truly connected, then being human, he will feel pain. He will feel grief. He will feel, if it's a hot day, he'll also feel hot. He's a human being. If it's a cold day, he'll feel cold. If it is something that is emotionally challenging, he'll feel hurt. If somebody has said something that is hurtful, he's going to feel something about it. He's not made of stone and iron. He's going to feel something. If somebody has dealt with him unjustly, he's going to feel grieved about it. Some near and dear one has passed away. That's human nature. He's going to feel grieved. He lost something that is going to make him feel somewhat grieved. It's all human nature. One little child, his bird died, his pet bird died. Nabi Islam came along, this child was crying. Nabi Islam said to him, Ya Umayr, ma fa'alat nughayr. Umayr, what happened to your bird? It was a kind of consolation for him. Asking him, what happened? But subhanallah, Allah's Nabi Islam, one little statement of his, Ya Aba Umayr, ma fa'alat nughayr. You know, Umayr, what happened to your bird? The fuqaha deduced 100 masail from the statements. This is the mu'jiza of Nabi Wasallam. That what knowledge he filled in one one statement. But in any case, what we are talking about is that being human, these emotions, these feelings are only natural. But there is a boundary within which these emotions are to be maintained. These feelings are to be maintained. And what is that boundary? What will keep it within the limits? What will keep it within reasonable proportions? That is provided we have surrounded ourselves with the rope of hope. And the rope of hope is the connection with Allah. To the extent of the connection with Allah, 
will be able to undertake whatever challenges come, not that we should ever ask for any challenges. Nabi Wasallam has repeatedly told us to ask for afiyat, sallallahu al-afiyat. The person who has been given afiyat, he's been given the good of dunya and akhirat. So, while asking for afiyat all the time, some good comes along, uh, some, some challenges come along, we will bear that patiently and ask Allah Ta'ala for safety from it, beg Allah Ta'ala to remove it, but all that we have to connect with Allah Ta'ala. The problem that we face is, that while we have challenges, we are looking for the solution in anything and everything else. The whole world is facing challenges. Our Muslim brothers and sisters, what is going on around the world? Major challenges. Allah's fazal, we are in major afiyat compared to the billions around the world. And Allah Ta'ala has kept us in such peace and comfort compared to billions around the world that indeed if we spend our whole life just making shukar for what we have been blessed with, that cannot fulfill even the shukar of one ni'mat. Yet we still have the complaints that are never ending. And it is because we have so many complaints that are never ending, we fail to look around at what is going on in the world. We fail to look behind in history. What happened? What kind of challenges the woman of that time had? And what was their end result? What was their response? Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, somebody brings some food to Nabi Wasallam, some little whatever it was, some dish. So Nabi Wasallam says to them, he takes some piece of that and he gives it to the Sahabi and he says, go and give this to Fatima. That for three days she has not eaten anything. Nabi Wasallam's own daughter, the Queen of Jannah, she is undertaking all the difficult tasks of the household chores on her own, the Queen of Jannah. And now it is so uh, strenuous that she needs somebody to help her. And now she comes to Rasulullah when she hears that there are some slaves that have come. So she comes to request some help. And Nabi Wasallam gives her tasbih Fatimi and sends her back. Late, late the incident, Nabi Sallallahu comes to their home that night and then he gives them, should I not tell you something that is better than a servant for you? And Nabi Sallallahu then gives her tasbih hafatimi. And she is more than happy with it. She accepts to take this instead of taking the servant. Now was this not a challenge to undertake all the hard work, laborious work? They didn't have to. Nowadays the work is so difficult in this time and age. If you don't know, you sometimes have to read the manual which button to press. Very complicated. You have to see whether it's the red button to press, or the green button, or the white button, in order to get the work done. Or which setting to set it on. So this is very, very strenuous task. You have to read the manual sometimes, sometimes you go to phone somebody to still understand it. Obviously nowadays the challenges have grown tremendously. To understand all these complicated manuals. And Allah forbid if the thing came in Chinese writing. Then we're really gone. But in those days they didn't have any buttons to press. They had to do everything themselves. They had to undertake all the hard work. Grind the flour, forget making the roti. Nowadays roti is coming from Taza. But forget making the roti only, they had to grind the flour before that. And they had to, then with that grinding stone, turning the grinding stone was a very tremendously strenuous task. Together with that, they had to go and milk the animals, to bring the milk. They would have to go and fetch water from a distance. All these things, all these chores. And together with that, all the other things would go along. Yet, we find that they didn't become despondent at any, any stage. They never felt hopeless. They never felt helpless. They were very, very content with whatever the situation was. And the reason was that in all this, they were connected to Allah Ta'ala. They were connected to Allah Ta'ala. When they were connected to Allah Ta'ala, they felt all this to be very, very insignificant. All the difficulties of this world. Now this is our solution. Hazrat Khadija what sacrifices she made, what challenges she faced, what problems and difficulties she had to undergo. She was right alongside Nabi Islam when the Dawah just commenced. She was the only person at one point in time. When the Dawah just commenced, the greatest difficulties came in the line of Nabi Islam, came towards him. And she stood side by side. Now obviously, this was a very, very challenging moment, a very difficult task, a very, very risky situation, but not 
So one moment did she ever say to Nabi Wasallam that I can't bear all this, you go your way, I will go my way. She stood side by side. Why? Because she was connected to Allah Ta'ala. And in order to teach us what comes with the connection with Allah Ta'ala, Hazrat Khadija Ta'ala, she received the, the, the reply, we can call it, or the response of this connection very, very directly while she was in this dunya. For example, on one occasion she received the salam of Hazrat Jibreel Salam. Then, over and above that, on one occasion Nabi Salam, Hazrat Jibreel comes to him and he says to him that the Khadija is coming just now and she will have something in her hand, some food she's coming along with. And when she comes, then give her the salam from Allah wa ta'ala and from me. Subhanallah, can we imagine that the salam of Allah ta'ala is coming to her while she is walking on this earth. But how did she get this? She got it because she connected herself to Allah wa ta'ala. So she got the salam of Allah ta'ala. And what is salam? Salam is salamati. It is peace. Peace from Allah ta'ala comes that no matter what the challenges are on the outside, on the inside one is at peace. And Abu Bakr is completely down and out monetarily, financially, because he had sacrificed the last penny that he had for Rasulullah And then he left everything behind when he made hijrah. He's got nothing. And one day he is dressed in sackcloth. And he doesn't even have anything for buttons. He's got thorns which he's used as buttons to keep the cloth together. Now what a pitiful condition. Somebody in this time and age, they only got some, maybe about 10 old cloaks left. But they don't have any new cloak. Old means something that is more than one month old. They don't have any new cloak. Now there's a function and there isn't a new cloak. They get depressed for it. Subhanallah, Abu Bakr has got these sackcloths on him. And he's using thorns in places of buttons. And in this condition, Jibreel comes to Nabi and he says, Allah Ta'ala has conveyed salams to Abu Bakr. And Allah Ta'ala is asking that, is he pleased with Allah Ta'ala? Subhanallah, when Abu Bakr comes, Nabi gives him the salam from Allah Ta'ala. And Nabi says, Allah Ta'ala wishes to know, are you pleased? Abu Bakr starts crying. And he says, Ana bi Rabbi Rab, Ana bi Rabbi Rab, I'm absolutely happy with my Rabb. I'm absolutely happy with my Rabb, whatever my outward condition may be, but my heart is brimming with joy and I'm absolutely happy with my Rabb. Now why did outwardly somebody we see in that condition, will say this person must be totally depressed, he must be really despondent, he must be really somebody feeling down and out, somebody thinking of himself as hopeless and helpless, but he had the rope of hope with him. He was connected to Allah Taala. And Allah Ta'ala sent that clear declaration of that connection by sending salams to him and giving him this message. Now in this time and age, nobody's going to get any, Nabi Sallallahu is no more in dunya, there's nobody to get wahi, but that direct salamati comes to, from Allah Ta'ala's side to the one who connects himself or herself to Allah Ta'ala. So we are not going to be hearing salam directly in any way. Nabi Islam is not there. Sometimes some people get some basharat, some glad tidings in the form of dreams. SubhanAllah, that's also a very good thing. But generally the rest of us, we will not necessarily experience any such dreams and so on. And neither is that any criteria of acceptance. Sometimes a person sees some dream, sometimes he doesn't see any dream. One person came to Tamir and he said, I don't get any of these very, very good feelings within me and feeling very enthusiastic, I don't see any dreams. He said, Alhamdulillah. This person felt, what kind of this? I'm saying I want to feel, Alhamdulillah. If you started feeling all those things, you started seeing all those dreams, Allah knows best what would have happened to you. You might become proud. You might start thinking of yourself as something. Now you're thinking of yourself as nobody. That has created humility in you. That is a very great ni'mat from Allah Ta'ala. You be content on that. The criteria for acceptance is not these feelings and dreams. The criteria for acceptance is amal. Are you doing what you are supposed to do? 
Are you staying away from what you're supposed to stay away from? That is the criteria for acceptance. So in any case, to the extent that we will connect ourselves to Allah Taala, to that extent we will experience salamati. We will experience this salam and salamati from Allah Taala's side, despite whatever the challenges may be, despite whatever the difficulties may be, despite whatever we might feel is a major problem or is creating despondency, is creating hopelessness, there is never a moment of despondency and hopelessness in the life of a mu'min. Allah Taala has given us this clearly in the Qur'an chain. So now to come to the point of the solution that we need to connect ourselves to Allah Taala. How do we connect ourselves to Allah Taala? Where do we start from? The point to start from is it is to now turn to Allah Taala. Turning to Allah Taala is what? The first step to turning to Allah Taala is Tawbah. Sincere Tawbah. Because Without Tawbah, if we haven't made Tawbah, it is like a person he has got all kinds of filled dirt filled in a container and now he wants to pour milk into it. But he doesn't empty the container first, he doesn't wash it clean. So without washing the container clean, where is the milk going to come? So the first thing is to throw away all the filth, all the dirt, wash the container clean and now we will be able to experience that pure taste of that milk. Without that container being cleaned, then this is not going to happen. So the first step is to clear and clean the container, the containers of our hearts, all the sin and the filth that has come into our hearts, and empty it and bring the love of Allah in the hearts. So the first step to emptying this heart is Tawbah, sincere Tawbah. Allah really loves the one who turns to him, who makes sincere Tawbah. There are so many incidents in the hadith about those who made sincere tawbah and those who came back to Allah Taala. How Allah Taala loves this. How Allah Taala makes the way for them to come back to Allah Taala. There are so many incidents. The one very well-known incident is the incident of the tawbah of Hazrat Wahshi He was the person that was responsible for the martyrdom of Hazrat Hamza Taala. And Hazrat Hamza Rahman's martyrdom was very gruesome, was very severe. After being martyred, his, bo- his body was cut open, mutilated, and his liver was cut out and taken out, and his body even, his ears etc. were cut off. It was a very, very gruesome situation. Nabi Islam, when he saw his body after his, later on, after he was martyred and all this was done to him, Nabi Islam was extremely moved by this. And it is stated that on that occasion, to some slight extent, Nabi Sallallahu cry could be heard. Otherwise, his cry would never be heard. But some slight sound was heard from him on that occasion, which indicated that to what extent he was moved. Yet Nabi Sallallahu invites Wahshi, to come back, come to Allah Ta'ala. Any case of the Wahshi, when he gets this message, he now is wondering that how is he going to come and he even asked Nabi Wasallam that you are inviting me to come back to come into the deen to come towards Allah Taala. whereas the Quran Sharif says that those who have committed shirk, those who have committed murder, those who have committed zina, they will not be forgiven and I have done all these things so when he comes when this message comes and in fact he says that in the Quran Sharif Allah Taala says يُضَاعَبْتَهُ الْعَذَابُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ that such a person will get many fold azab in the year after and he will remain therein. So upon this Allah Ta'ala reveals another ayat. The Bashir Imam showed this talab. He decided that okay, I want to go, I got some questions. I want to go but this is a, a barrier I see within me and forgiveness. I don't think I can get forgiven. This is what he thought at that time. Allah Ta'ala reveals another ayat at that occasion. إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا فَأُولَٰئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِ الْحَسَنَاتِ فَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا That yes, all these severe sins are barriers to entry into Jannah. But, إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ Except those who sincerely repent. When they sincerely repent, وَآمَنَا and they bring Imam, 
صَالِحًا And they do righteous actions, let alone forgiving them. Can you imagine? Let alone forgiving them. Allah Ta'ala says, أُولَٰئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّعَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتِ Allah Ta'ala will convert their sins into good deeds. Subhanallah, where will we ever get anybody to show any kind of mercy or compassion to us? The compassion and mercy that Allah Ta'ala is prepared to give us. Where have we ever heard that somebody says, okay, you gave me a million rand counterfeit notes and you did me down. But now that you came and expressed your regret, I'm going to not only throw your counterfeit notes away, I'm going to give you a million rands. Nobody will ever do that. Allah Ta'ala is saying, you brought sin again. You have committed sin. You have put a very major burden on yourself. I am now going to convert all this trash and all this filth into gold for you. Subhanallah. What compassion and mercy Allah Ta'ala is prepared to shower down upon us. Are we prepared to make the connection? Are we ready to turn to Allah Ta'ala? Allah Ta'ala is saying, إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَا وَآمِنَا عَمَلًا صَالِحًا فَأُولَائِكَ يُبَذِّرُ اللَّهُ سَيِّعَاتِ مَحْسَنَاتِ Allah Ta'ala will convert their evils and sins into good deeds. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا Allah Ta'ala is most forgiving, most merciful. But this ayat of the Quran Sharif is revealed, Nabi Islam sent somebody with this message. Go and tell Wahshi about this. And he wasn't on the corner somewhere from Springo Beach sent him, sent somebody to Springo Hills. He was gone almost 80, 90 miles away. And this communication is happening back and forth from this distance. Because he was very afraid to come. He thought he's going to be killed immediately. Because of what he had done. Maybe he saw some senseless message. Go and tell him. Here's hope. Here's the rope of hope from Allah Ta'ala. When this ayat is told to him, he says very well, but herein there's a condition mentioned. Illa mantaba, those who repent, but thereafter it is wa'amana, bring iman. But on top of that is wa'amina saliha. After iman is that they will do righteous actions. I'm ready to make toba, I'm ready to bring iman, but would I get the opportunity for any righteous action? What if I just accepted iman and my life went immediately? So I didn't get any opportunity for righteous actions. So it means that I will be deprived. I will not get any forgiveness from Allah Taala when he gives this message Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is told about this on that occasion another ayat is revealed from Allah Ta'ala's side can we imagine Allah Ta'ala's compassion Allah Ta'ala's mercy Allah Ta'ala's kindness Allah Ta'ala's showers of forgiveness that for somebody who has committed such a serious crime but Allah Ta'ala's mercy is ready to engulf him also. Allah Ta'ala reveals the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَكُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Say, O oh my servants, Ya Ibadi, say, O oh my servants, somebody has committed a sin, he has committed some crime, he has made a mistake, Allah Ta'ala is saying, he's still mine. You don't get in between me and my servants. I will forgive my servant. Nobody has any right to tell me what to do. Allah Ta'ala is like a person with pride saying, this is my car, my house, and my this, and my that, and my money. Allah Ta'ala is saying, it's my servant. O Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you announce it openly. Ya ibadi, O my servants, on the side of Allah Ta'ala, Alladheena asrafu ala anfusihim, who have transgressed their souls. لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله Don't ever become despondent from the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. The rope of hope is forever there. Only a person who is totally without Iman can become despondent. But with Iman, there's never a moment of despondency. It can never be losing hope. Provided that we are holding on to that rope of hope. We are coming back to Allah Ta'ala. We are turning to Him. We are connecting to Him. We are Making the, taking the first step of Toba. La taqnatu min rahmatillah. Inna Allah yaqtiru dhunubu jami'ah. Allah Ta'ala will forgive all sins. Inna hu huwa al-ghafuru rahim. Allah Ta'ala is most forgiving, most merciful. When this ayat was revealed, now Wahshi finally comes, and he accepts Islam at the hands of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But when these ayat were revealed, some other sahaba, they said to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that inna asabna ma asaba wahshiyun. We also were caught up in some of these things that Wahshi was caught up in. So, is this specifically for Wahshi? Is he the only person 
that he's going to benefit from all this? Nabi Islam said, He and Muslimina Ahmadan. Allah Ta'ala blessed the Sahaba that they asked this question. They got all of us included in it. Nabi Islam said, This is for every Muslim. In the day of Qiyamah, whoever will come. He wants to get the rope of hope. He wants to connect with Allah Ta'ala. Let him take the first step. Let him take the step of Tawbah. Let him now turn back to Allah Ta'ala. Now he will be doing something that is sensible. Unfortunately, we have two problems. We are talking about problems, but we have two real major problems. Problems, the real problems are things that become barriers between us and Allah. That is a problem. Otherwise, other things are not problems. They are just some challenges. They are not really problems. So we have two major problems, unfortunately. One problem is that we look for the solution in the wrong place. That is the main big problem we have. For example, if a person's power has been cut, there's no electricity. So now, there's no electricity, what does he do? How is he supposed to now attend to this problem? So, the problem is perhaps somewhere that maybe the, there has been some fuse that has burned out, there is some other electrical fault, maybe the main switch has dropped. Now this person, he is the only person in the street without power, but now he is sitting and swearing the power utility, ESCOM. He is now all the kinds of things that he can complain about against ESCOM. So now he is busy with that. So somebody comes and says to him, but first check your own house. Then is there a problem in your house? So now, he is not prepared to do that, he will sit in darkness. But if he decides to see, okay, what's the problem? Call an electrician maybe, now they found the fault. There was some shortening, some fuse burnt out, whatever the case is. So now he went to the root of the problem. The root of the problem, when that will be attended to, that will be the thing that will restore the power again. The light will come through. But just sitting and complaining, that is not going to help anything. We also sit and complain about the whole world. This person did this, that person did that, that person's arrogance and pride was a result of this, that person's uh, jealousy was a result of that, and all the things of the world you will complain about. The second thing that is also related to this first, and it's just a different title, is escapism. We are not prepared to challenge, uh, to face the challenges and take the solution. Rather just put it on somebody else's head, so we actually do nothing. I'm saying that till that person doesn't sort himself out, then I can do nothing about it. It's not my fault. No. Our, the, the way forward for us is to do what we have to do to come to the root of the issue. The root of the issue is that we have not maintained our connection with Allah Ta'ala. One person, he said, he said, whenever I see some problem in the way my horse is behaving, it's becoming unruly. It is not obeying my instruction. It is becoming a bit rebellious. So I immediately, I stop, I go into the masjid, however, I make two rakat salat of tawbah, I turn to Allah Ta'ala, I beg Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, and then when I come, my horse is fully obedient. So somebody asked him, but how is this? Where did you make this connection with? He says, when I, I immediately realized that the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala has become disobedient to me, this has to be because of my disobedience to Allah Ta'ala. Because I have become disobedient to Allah Ta'ala in some way, I am not even conscious of it, but definitely this is the thing that I have become disobedient in some way, so Allah Ta'ala's makhluk has become disobedient to me. Now that I have made sincere tawbah, I have turned to Allah Ta'ala, I have begged His forgiveness, so now the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala has also become obedient to me, because all this is in the control of Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala will turn whoever's heart He wants. And the thing is, that there is no other solution for us but to turn to Allah Ta'ala. There is no other door to knock at, but the door of Allah Ta'ala. Ibn Tayyib Rahimahullah, he writes about one incident, that one of the pious people narrated this incident which he saw with his own eye, that there was one youngster, and his mother was extremely angry with him. And at the door of the house, the mother hit him and chased him out. So this youngster walked away, but he walked to a certain point, 
and then he perhaps thought within himself, where can I go to? Nobody else is going to be showing, going to be able to show me the compassion of a mother. For a day, for two days, my friends will say something, they'll say, no, you don't worry, you come to me, we'll sort you out. Somebody else will say something. But the reality is that after all is said and done, after one day, one week, one month, everybody else will get tired. A mother never tires. So nobody else is going to give me that compassion, that comfort that a mother will give. So this child, then he takes a U-turn. Now the door is locked, his mother was furious with him at that time, his mother hit him, he also thought that well, he can go somewhere else. But he went down the road and realized that I've got only one door. So he comes back, the door is locked, he is not, he doesn't have the courage to knock on the door, so he sits down at the door and he falls asleep. After some time, suddenly the door opens, the mother opens the door for some other work or whatever, and then she sees her child sitting there at the door, Something serious might have happened before that. Something really major for her to hit her child and chase him out of the house. Don't come back. But now she sees the child at the door and now her heart just opens out again. After all, she's a mother. And she embraces the child and she says that, where would you have gone to? And who else would have shown you any compassion? And she takes the child back in. That mother is but a very, very feeble creation of Allah Ta'ala and out of the mercy that Allah Ta'ala has, Allah Ta'ala sent down one part out of hundred parts of the mercy. This too is merely to make us understand. Otherwise, Allah Ta'ala's mercy is unlimited. One part out of hundred parts is mentioned in the hadith. But Allah Ta'ala revealed or sent down onto the earth. This one percent of mercy that was sent onto the earth, the effect of it is this that there is mercy in the heart of every animal also for its young. That that bird also feeds its young. That lion also looks after its cub. And even the dog looks after its puppies. This is as a result of that 1% of mercy and human beings, the compassion that a mother has for a child. All this is a minute fraction that has been distributed in the entire universe. So what fraction that that mother had, yet she cannot close that door to the child. Likewise, the child knew he had only one door, he came to that one and only door that he had, and the door opened for him. We also have only one door. We have only the door of Allah Ta'ala. And when we will realize that this is the only door, and I am going to come back to Allah Ta'ala, and knock on that door. When we knock at that door, it will open for us. When we make sincere toba, then that door will open for us. And this is what is required, to make sincere toba and come back to Allah Ta'ala, to leave out the escapism, to start finding fault with everybody else, laying the blame at everybody else's door, this person is the reason for this, that person is the reason for that, let us stop for a moment and reflect within ourselves. Is my connection with Allah Ta'ala correct? Sometimes we feel our connection is very good. Why? Because I meet my five times Salah. Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah. This is a very, very great thing. But is being confined to that? Is that the only part of deen? Well, no, I fast in the month of Ramadan as well. Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah. Allah Ta'ala accepts. But is there no other ibadat in deen? So, yes, there's other ibadat. I make a lot of tilawat. I make a lot of zikr. I make a lot of tasbihat. But all this is one part. The ibadat that we make, we're making tahajjud, we're making ishraat, we're making chash. Very good, excellent. And let us continue with it. And let us make more of it. But there's another part as well. Are we making sure we are not disobeying Allah Ta'ala? Is our heart clean of malice? Is our heart clean of pride? Pride is such a major disaster, such a major atom bomb, that in the Hadith Sharif it's mentioned, That person will not enter Jannah who has pride to the extent of a mustard seed. What a major atom bomb. Do we have this in our hearts? Do we have jealousy? Are we wishing well for everybody or wishing ill for people? Hoping somebody, something doesn't work out for them or some problem comes to them or they get hurt in some way just because we can't get along with the person? Is this our stance? Are we fulfilling the command of Allah Ta'ala in terms of hijab? Unfortunately, hijab and niqab have become confused. Like that, definitions that we spoke about earlier child abuse, 
that every little stone also has become child abuse. So niqab and hijab also, if a person is adopting niqab, they say, well, I am fulfilling hijab. These are two totally different things. Niqab is a part of hijab. Niqab is part of the garments of hijab. Hijab is a set of rules, totally maintaining the segregation between non-mahrams, the laws of parda. Are we observing it? Or are we freely intermingling with non-mahrams? Maybe sometimes we are not freely intermingling with people outside, but within our, the four walls of our home is parda being maintained. This is a question we need to reflect on. Are we fulfilling the other aspects of deen? These are sometimes very difficult things to speak about, but nevertheless, it's not meant to run anybody down, but one lesson that we need to learn also, how sometimes we play a double standard. One non-Muslim principle, or non-Muslim principle in one school. So, one, there was some issue with the, one child, so the mother came. So there was a Muslim child, the mother came to sort out the problem, so she had come in full cloak and niqab and everything. So in any case, whatever was meant to be discussed was discussed and that was the end of it. This principal says some weeks later he happened to be at the beach. And he was now, he is a non-Muslim principal, the non-Muslim, so he's at the beach. And suddenly some lady comes up to him and she is dressed in a terrible way. Well, he didn't say the word terrible, but what he described is was the terrible and she is uh, greeting him so he is confused because he doesn't know who it is and she says don't you know me so he says I don't know you where I want to know you from he says no I came to the office that day to sort out the problem so and so is my son and now suddenly the two pictures are in his mind one is the person standing in front of him and the other is the person that entered his office now is this what is called hijab that depending where you are, in certain places you dress up in a certain way, and in certain places you dress up in another way. One person was traveling overseas, and he was traveling from one, the destination was one Middle Eastern country, and he was traveling from, a, from some other country. So when he boarded the plane, he says that the only person, they were, the plane was filled with a lot of people, the only person in Farda was his wife. He says he fell asleep when he landed, the plane was full of people with clothes and parda. So they were coming from some western country, from some destination or some western country, and they were landing in some Middle Eastern country. So all the people, unfortunately, who had gone across, they went for some holiday, so they were in holiday dressing. So they boarded the plane also back on the way home in the so-called holiday dressing. It was totally westernized and shameless and immoral garments. Now as they are landing in their home country, now they are suddenly in a different garb. Uh, these are the double standards, but can we place these double standards in Allah Ta'ala? We got one standard for outside and one standard for inside. We cannot. Now these are the things that bring about the challenges sometimes. And a person feels that I am very very pious, I am very very Allah fearing. Yes, everything doesn't happen in one day. But we have to recognize where our pitfalls are. We have to start working towards these things. One step at a time, but making active efforts in rectifying these problems. Whatever it is, whether it is with regards to the things within our hearts, the malice, the jealousy, the hatred, the rebirth, this is something which we somehow, those who regard themselves because of their salah, because of their fasting, they feel that this has got nothing to do with deen. Whereas with, our, with the rimas we make, we lose all our ibadat. And then other things, we need to keep thinking within ourselves. How am I using my eyes, my ears, my heart? So, the thing is to connect with Allah Taala and bring ourselves back towards on the path of deen. When this will happen, then we will find that when this connection has worked out, we have built the taluk with Allah Taala. Now the challenges that are there, the challenges Dunya is dunya, challenges will come. But the person in the middle of all these challenges is also still getting the salamati from Allah Ta'ala. That peace, that serenity. And a person can never become despondent in these kind of conditions. A person, a mu'min, always has hope. 
Nevertheless, what is important is that the toba that we have to make, the toba has to be sincere. It has to be genuine. What does this toba mean that it is genuine? There are some conditions of toba. The first condition is that the person must truly regret the sin that was committed. The person is saying toba, toba, but there isn't even one bit of regret about what happened. Can we imagine somebody lost their very, very expensive diamond ring? Got lost somewhere. Sometimes somebody went to Wuzu somewhere, they left their ring, and now some airport or some they are somebody's house. Now they're looking for it, can't find it. What goes on? They start turning the whole place upside down. And then they still can't find it. For a couple of days, that grief will be very, very high. And then after they forgot about it, every now and then when it comes to mind, it will come to mind with the grief. So, when we have disobeyed Allah, that was worse than losing all the diamond and gold rings of the world. What is the diamond and gold rings of the world compared to one sin that a person has committed? So when this has happened, we should be feeling very grieved about it, very hurt about it, very regretful. That is the first condition to develop this regret. This will come when a person sits and ponders, Allah Ta'ala's nahmats, unlimited, so many bounties, I use the eyes Allah Ta'ala gave me, the hands He gave me, the ears He gave me, the heart He gave me, what would have been my condition if Allah Ta'ala made me Na'udhubillah insane? What would have been my condition if Allah Ta'ala kept me blind? If Allah Ta'ala Na'udhubillah, Allah Ta'ala save us and protect us, if Allah Ta'ala gave me some other terminal illness, and now I was like a cabbage, what would have been my condition? Allah Ta'ala kept me healthy, has enabled me to do so many things, and if I have some illnesses, how many other na'mas, innumerable bounties I have, to sit and reflect upon all this, to think about it. And then in the light of all that, against that, what have I done? That same Allah who has blessed me with this, I have now returned his favor with sin. This will create regrets. So to have that regret in the heart, so that's the first thing. Together with that, that he has given up the sin, in fact that's the first thing that he stops the sin. Not that a person has still, is still engaged in the sin, committing the wrong, and saying toba toba. No, he has given up the sin, and he's regretting the sin. The third is that he makes a firm resolution never to commit it again. Genuine firm resolution. Making this firm resolution, does it mean it will never happen again? That is not the case that he can say that for sure. That's not in his knowledge. He has in his capacity to make the firm decision, firm resolution, that I am not going to fall again. Like a person fell, got hurt, broke his hand, whatever the case is, now he's in hospital and saying, I am never going to walk just haphazardly again. I was jumping and hopping, and now see what happened. But does it mean he will never slip again? It could slip, but that doesn't mean that he will now decide to slip. He will make the intention to slip. If he's making the intention to slip, then that is not Toba. For chance, accidentally he can slip again. So this is the requirement of Toba. That the person makes sincere Toba by giving up the sin, by being remorseful and regretful over the sin, and by making a firm resolution that I will never commit the sin in future. When a person has done this, At-Ta'ibu Habibullah. The one who truly repents becomes the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. That connection has been made. Provided that, the requirements have been fulfilled. And if the sin pertains to hukukul ibad, the rights of people, then that has to be discharged. That has to be fulfilled. Hukukullah also has to be fulfilled. If that salah was made qaza, we have to now make that up. We have to fulfill and discharge all other duties. But the sin has been forgiven. So now the person has made the first step towards connecting himself with Allah Ta'ala. And when a person turns to Allah Ta'ala truly, Allah Ta'ala opens out the ways for him and makes impossible become possible for him. The incident about the person who committed hundred murders, and now after hundred murders, he is seeking Toba. So some pious people told him, some people told him that go to a certain place, the pious people that are there, you go and join them. This will be the way you'll be able to get the Toba in reality. And now he sets out the famous well-known hadith, and on the way he passes away. When he passes away, now the malaika of Azab come, they want to take him, 
his soul, the malaika of Rahmah also come, they are quarreling. Quarreling meaning debating. The malaika of Azab are saying that we will take his soul, he has committed hundred murders. The malaika of Rahmah are saying that he was on the way to go and be with the pious. So Allah Ta'ala sends down another angel and says, okay, you do this, you mediate between them. And you go and measure the place where he left from. If that is closer to where he has fallen dead, then he was closer to the place of sin, then he will be taken by the malaika of azab. And if he has already come closer, measure the spot where he is lying from, to the destination, the place of the pious people. If he is closer to that direction, then the malaika of Rahmah will take his soul. Now in reality, he was still closer to his home, still closer to the place of sin. But Allah Ta'ala commanded the earth. Allah Ta'ala commanded the earth between him and the place of the pious people that you contract, so that it will become closer towards you, towards the place of the pious people. Allah Ta'ala commanded the earth that was towards the place from where he had left, that you expand, so that when this, this is measured, he will be further away from the place of sin. Now this is an impossible thing outwardly, that the earth contracts and expands for somebody in this way, but when a person had true talab, the person had true sincere feeling to get back to Allah Ta'ala, to connect to Allah Ta'ala. He really wanted to grab onto the rope of hope. Allah Ta'ala made the impossible possible for him. And as a result, when they measured, they found him closer to the place of the people of piety and the malaika of Rahmah took his soul. But then there's another lesson in this, that for that steadfastness on Tawbah, the Tawbah will be made sincerely, but the steadfastness on Tawbah will come by associating with the pious. Now, in the case of females, how do we associate with the pious? Through their writings, through their teachings, through the talks on CDs, etc. Rather than, and especially unfortunately in this time and age, people are reading all kinds of films, all kinds of blogs, which are only taking people towards haram, filling their minds with filth filling their minds with total obscenity and vulgarity. So this is something that will totally sever the connection with Allah Ta'ala. So, by associating with the pious, this will bring istiqamat on the Tawbah. And what is the meaning, way of associating with the pious? That we read their kitabs, we read their talks, we take advice from them through our mahrams, the husband or the mahram. And in this way, we will find that what was regarded as very difficult, what was regarded as something not possible to achieve, Allah Ta'ala makes that very easy and very possible. But we have to take the first step. And when we will take the first step, and we will take this rope of hope, and we will connect ourselves to Allah Ta'ala, then the small trivial things around us won't make us feel despondent, won't make us feel hopeless, because we are connected to the greatest hope. We are connected to Allah Ta'ala. We are connected to the rope that can never break. The connection with Allah Ta'ala, if we are holding firmly to it, then we, that rope will never break. If we leave it, we can fall. But if we are holding to it, that rope will never break. So this is the way to come out of our problems. And when each individual will start with this, we want to solve the whole world's problems, but we don't want to solve our problem. Our biggest problem is, that we have broken this connection with Allah Ta'ala. And we'll come back to Allah Ta'ala, and now each individual will do the same, the whole world starts being the same, Allah Ta'ala's Rahmat will shower down on the whole world. And the problems, that is where it all ends. So this is the need of the moment, this is what we have to do, come back to Allah Ta'ala, turn to Him, build our connection and ta'aluk with Him, give up all the haram, give up all the sin, sit down, think about it, reflect, what am I doing in my life? How many sunnats have I in my life? Each sunnat will bring hope within me. Each sunnat will light up my life. It will light up my heart. Otherwise, we are looking for happiness in all other artificial things. A person is hungry, he wants to eat, but he's looking at that artificial fruit. It looks so nice, it is so rosy, but can he ever get filled with it? It's artificial. And if he tries to really eat it for the fruit, his belly, he'll die maybe out of it. We are also trying to find happiness in all artificial things. But that artificial things is just like a drug. It gives an artificial feeling of goodness for a moment. 
for a short while. But when the effect of the drug wears off, the person feels worse than before. Now he's looking for another drug. So some people, they just go on from one drug to the other in terms of the haram drugs that people take Allah that save us, save our families, save the entire ummah. But there are other kinds of drugs also, the artificial things, the entertainment, and the sins. These are all drugs of a kind. So we try to appease ourselves, we try to entertain ourselves, we try to make ourselves happy with all these artificial things, but this can never ever give anybody any happiness. Happiness comes from Allah Taala. Allah Taala is the creator of happiness. It will come when we connect ourselves to Allah Taala. And to the extent we connect ourselves, to that extent we'll find the happiness. Allah Taala give us the topic of turning sincerely to Allah Taala, of connecting ourselves to Him, and in this way we will make our dunya also, and we will make our akhirat as well. Wa akhirat awana. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil alamin. Allahumma lak alhamdulillahu wa lak shukru kullu. اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا غلبنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخبلنا وترحمنا لنكونا من الخاسرين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان وجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك من نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر مستعادك من نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله رب العالمين